It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Previously on Miracles Happen. And that's the thing about miracles. I do believe that God sometimes does the zap, that sometimes in an instant uh, people are healed, that sometimes in an instant uh, miracles take place. Yet I'm also aware, and, and, and this is throughout history, this is in my own observation and experience, that a lot of miracles actually uh, look more like a process. And he rolls up his net. He rolls up his world. He rolls up his life. He puts it under his arm and he walks into where? The temple. You see, God wants you to move on. The healing is there for you but He wants you to move on in relationship with Him. He wants you to know that He's alive in this circumstance we're facing right now. Where can we buy bread to feed these people? And John indicated why Jesus asked that. He said this to stretch Philip's faith because the reality is that Jesus sometimes stretches us to grow us. God never asks us to give what we don't have. So I would say that when you're faced with a situation where you don't think you have enough, the next move shouldn't be quitting. The next move should be asking the question, what's in the box? Think inside the box. And I want to suggest to you sometimes in life, all we see is the mess and we focus on the mess. When we focus on the mess, we don't actually see the possibility. You see, God is about not the renovation. He's about the restoration. We want to renovate. We want to add things to our lives. We want to build ourselves up. We want to make life different. But Jesus came to put your life back and it says a new creation. So when we uh, pulled the trigger on our new online experience, uh, I quickly just had the idea be great opportunity uh, for us to be able to invite some of my friends and some of our friends from around the world, actually, uh, to show up as guest speakers, virtual guest speakers. And uh, they can obviously record what they do wherever they are and uh, join in with us for our Elevate online experience. And so today we're kicking off with the first of our guest speakers. He's a great friend of mine, uh, Ryan Layden. Ryan leads a church uh, here in the southern suburbs of Perth. Western Australia, uh, Warnbrook Community Church. Um, my little uh, sombrero here, well, not so little actually, is a shout out to Ryan, you'll soon discover by his accent. He's uh, from uh, Texas. Um, now, uh, he will probably not like me saying this. In fact, he'd even probably uh, call this fake news, but Texas was once part of Mexico. Yeehaw! So, <coughs> hence the sombrero. Anyway, great to have Ryan uh, joining us for the fifth and final installment of our series uh, that I know you've been getting a lot out of, Miracles Happen. Hi, I'm Ryan Layden. Uh, I know that we're all scattered all over the place today, and I don't know where you are. I don't even know where I am while you're watching this, but uh, it's a pretty great thing that we're able to be together like this and to have these kind of moments and to learn from each other, to grow with each other. Uh, today, I hope that you will be encouraged by the message that we're going to share. 
And uh, the scripture that we're about to get into, it's, it's a powerful one. It comes with a lot of great points and a great things that we can take away. So I just encourage you to, um, to get yourself ready. You know, if you've got a Bible app and you want to look this passage up, if you've got a, a paper version, do that. You can press pause, come back, whatever you need to do. Uh, but we're going to be reading out of and learning from Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 23 today. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to read through that together, and then we're going to talk a bit about what it means, and we're going to learn some stuff along the way. There's some application points that are pretty significant. So let's dive into this by reading the whole passage together first, and then we'll get going on it. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side where he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because of the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were with them, those who were, then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Look, I want us to focus on what I think is the main idea, the big point from this particular teaching today. And it really comes down to a particular question. All right? And that question is, which kind of disciple do you want to be? Right? There's two different kinds of disciples in this particular passage. Uh, both sets experienced the same challenges and the same calling from Jesus, but they had different responses. One one kind of disciple in this story is the one who stays in the boat, right? They're the ones who are afraid. They're the ones who are timid, uh, living in fear, not clear about what they're supposed to do, even though they had this incredibly clear challenge from Jesus. And the other group of disciples, the other response that you could have is to be the kind of disciple who makes the decision to have courage, to have faith, to step out into things that maybe you're not comfortable with, but you've heard a clear call from Jesus and you're willing to take whatever comes because you're ready to take that next step. So that's the challenge for us, the question that we're going to be looking at as we work through this, uh, this teaching, this passage together today. What I'd love for us to do is to talk a little bit about some of the challenges that those that were in the boat faced on that particular day. You know, let's think about who they were and what they were up against. Number one, you need to know that they were all people who had been called 
on purpose by Jesus to become his disciples, to become his followers. So they are all followers of Jesus. That's one thing that, that they all have in common. Another thing they all have in common is that they were all facing the same hardships, the same challenges and trials. None of them were especially worse off than the others. They were all essentially in the same boat together. And I want us to talk about what they were facing in terms of what was on the water. Here you see a video uh, that I took while I was on the Sea of Galilee. It was a beautiful day, the sun was out, it doesn't look too rough, doesn't look too challenging, uh, it looks pretty simple, right? And you might think, well, what's the big deal? Uh, the reality is that those that were in the boat that day, they weren't on a pleasure cruise, it wasn't the middle of the day, it wasn't a beautiful situation, it was nighttime. Uh, when the sun went down behind the cliffs around the Galilee, it gets dark fast. And at night sometimes, and especially in, in extreme weather conditions, okay, so I want you to see what it looks like when the wind picks up on the Sea of Galilee. This image that you're seeing now, this clip, this is, uh, this is actually on the same day as the first clip, right? The first clip was pretty, it was nice and easy. You thought, I could row a boat against that, no problem. Uh, and it was just a few minutes later, the wind that comes down from the Mount Hermon Range, and it blows across the Sea of Galilee as it makes its way out into the Mediterranean, obviously is, is tough, right? It makes things hard. It makes it hard to row. Uh, and that's what these guys were up against, right? They were, they were up against some, some rough waters, some stiff winds. It was dark. It was nighttime. And to make it a little tougher, you need to understand what kind of boat they were in. This is a picture of a first century fishing boat that was found on the banks of the Galilee in the mid 80s during a drought. The water receded and they found this boat. And it was the most common form of boat to be found on the Galilee in the first century. And as you can see, this is not a big boat. Uh, imagine putting 12 people on there. And um, you can also see that it has a single mast. Okay, that mast has to be taken down in times of, of wind. All right, if the wind's blowing too hard against that little mast and that little boat, it'll, it'll capsize you, it'll ruin your whole day. And, uh, and that's what these guys were afraid of, and that's what they were up against in their boat at night. All right, so let's recap their situation. These disciples, they're all followers of Jesus. They're all facing the same challenges. Okay, they were tired. It was nighttime after a long, busy day. It was cold. The wind was blowing. The they were wet because of the waves and, and the possibly storms. They were probably frustrated with each other. You know, 12 grown men in a little boat like that and the waves and the wind, that is not fun. Don't sign me up for that one. And on top of that, they were probably frustrated because they are men of faith. They are people who believe deeply in what God is, uh, God's role in their life. And they were praying and they were asking God to help them in their circumstances. And yet nothing was changing. In fact, it was, looked like it was getting worse. They had been rowing against this wind for hours. And then, to make matters worse, right around 3 or 4 a.m. Okay, this is a tough time of night. Something comes out to them on the surface of the water that they can't make sense of. They don't know what it is. You know, it looks like a man. It looks like a person walking out on the lake towards them. 
you know, in darkness, it is hard to see what's going on, and it could be a very scary thing. What was this that was coming out to greet them? Or was it coming out to do damage to them? Uh, they knew that people don't walk on water, so whatever it is was beyond a, a regular person, and that's why it says that they were scared and thought they saw a ghost. The Greek word for ghost, I know, I know, you're probably not a Greek person, right? I, I, like, I like the original languages, all right? So the Greek word for ghost is that of specter, right? It's the same word that we get and we use as a specter. And this is really meant to describe uh, not the, ooh, you know, like a, a floaty ghost. This is meant to describe an image or a vision that someone might have, especially one that can't be properly identified. You don't know what you're looking at. Okay, that, that accurately describes what these guys were just saying. They're, what is this? Who is this? What is happening to us? And so while the disciples are looking at the specter, the thing that they don't understand, they hear from a very familiar voice call out to them. It's the voice of Jesus. We see this in Matthew 14, 27. It says, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. I want us to talk for a second about what this teaches us about what I believe to be the true heart of God, especially when we're going through tough stuff. You see, Jesus could have, from the shore, right, he could have stopped the wind. He could have calmed the lake, right? He could have gotten these guys out of their jam. He could have created a light that would help them know where to row so they weren't just rowing around in circles in the wind. Uh, he could have solved their need. He could have met their need, met their prayer uh, request. He could have solved everything that they were asking for from the shore in any number of ways, but he doesn't do any of that stuff. Instead, what does Jesus do? Jesus walks out onto the water. He joins his disciples. He goes out into their hardship and into their problem, into their their situation that it was rough and tough. Right, this teaches us something really great about who God is. In fact, this, is, this goes back to the name that was given to Jesus when he was prophesied to be born by the angel to Joseph. It was said that Jesus would have the name of Emmanuel. Well, that's just not some weird uh, Spanish name. No, that, that has a significant meaning. Right, Emmanuel means God with us. Here we see Jesus being the Emmanuel. Yes, he would eventually solve the problem. He would eventually meet their needs, but they were in the time of trial and hardship. And Jesus demonstrated the very heart of God to go and to join with his people, to walk with them in their hardship. He is the shepherd that leads us through those times of deep darkness in the valley of the shadow. That's, that's who God is, and that's what's being demonstrated here in this teaching. Now, I, I wonder, does that, does that idea that Jesus is joining into the times of hardship, does that mean anything to you? Right, what, what does that do for you? Does that bring you any sort of encouragement? Does it help you in any way? For me, it does. For me, I, I don't know, it's the idea that, that I can feel all alone. Even in times like today where we're going up against this, this separation and this hardship, this COVID-19 thing and the economic shutdown, you know, the reality is we're all struck by it. We're all in this place of hardship together, right? We keep saying that thing to each other. 
but we can often feel very alone. We can feel like this is really just about me. This is just hurting me. It's my fears, it's my worries, it's my pain, it's my suffering. And it's great for me. I love the idea. I love what Jesus does. I love how he joins his disciples out in their time of, of suffering and hardship and trial. That's, a, that's an amazing thing that God does for them. And Jesus calls out to his disciples and he gives them all a challenge, right? He gives them all this calling. He says to them, uh, have faith, take courage. It's me, know who I am, have courage. You know, this call to have courage, we see it all through the Bible. Uh, God calls his people to have courage in lots of different ways throughout, throughout the pages of the Bible. Uh, one of the more significant ones that pops into mind that I was thinking about earlier was when God's people were about to go into the promised land, Moses, their great leader, well, he's, he's handed the baton of, of leadership off and the people aren't sure what's going to happen next. And God calls to his people. He calls to them through Joshua, and he says that they need to have courage. It's found here, if you look in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, it says this, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You know, this isn't a call to have courage out of some sort of macho, bravado, uh, instead, it's a call to have courage that's based on faith, based on trusting. Would the people of God trust in God's leadership? All right, Were they trusting in Moses or were they trusting God? Were they trusting in the provision of the leadership of Israel or would they trust in God's provision in their time of need? In the New Testament, there's another example of how God gives to his people this call, this challenge to have courage, but also meets their need for courage. You see this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, okay, of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. Here we see that the believer in Jesus Christ is being given this incredible gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Not only are we given the challenge to have courage and to have faith, but we are being given the source of that courage. It says that we have been given the Spirit of God, which is not a spirit of fear or timidity, but it's, it's a gift, right? It's a, it's a gift of power and of love and of self-discipline. Who gives us this power? Where does the power come from for us to have self-discipline? Where does the power come from for us to choose faith over fear? You know, if it comes from me, if I'm supposed to reach down and just pull up my bootstraps and get going, man, I'm going to fall flat. I am. I'm just going to fail almost every single time. Uh, I don't have that strength. That's why this teaching reminds us that it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the gift of God's Spirit in us at work that brings us this incredible gift of power and courage to take on the challenges and to trust that God has got this. To know that, you know what, God knows your circumstances. This is not a surprise to him. He knows what you're going through. God knows what you need. Before you even ask, he's at work in you. Trust, right? Trust him. Obey his word. Get involved. Be faithful. Trust him and see what God will do. So Jesus, in this circumstance, back to the passage, 
He calls out to all of the disciples, tells all of them, hey guys, listen, all of you need to have courage. All of you need to trust. All of you need to exercise some faith here. He doesn't talk to any one particular disciple. That's to everyone. But we see that one of them has a particular response. So let's see what happens next if we look at Matthew chapter 14, verse 28 to 29. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, let me come to you on the water. Come, he said. You know, Peter, he has a reputation. I don't know if you know Peter or not, but he has a reputation of being somebody that I identify with. Sometimes his mouth is a bit quicker than his brain. Sometimes he has to put his foot in his mouth because he's messed up again. He's said the wrong thing. He's jumped in where he wasn't wanted. Uh, you know, on the night that Jesus was arrested, he was the guy that whips out a sword and hacks a guy's ear off. And Jesus has to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. You, know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. He heals, he heals the man's ear and sends him on his way. You know, Peter generally has that reputation. But here we see Peter doing something that I think is very wise. You know, he's not being impetuous. He's not jumping. Instead, he's asking, right? Go, Peter. He actually, before he just jumps out of the boat, he stops and says, Jesus, is it okay with you, right? Is it a part of your plan? Is it part of your will? Can, can I join you out on the water? And not only does Peter ask, he waits for the answer before he goes overboard, you know, when Peter sees Jesus after the resurrection, he's out in a boat and he sees Jesus making breakfast on the shore and he does something really weird. He grabs his outer coat, his heavy coat, wraps it around himself and then it says he jumps into the water and swims to shore. Mm, I think he thought he was going to walk to shore. Uh, you know, he didn't ask. And in this situation, he asks, man, what an incredible thing that we all could learn. You know, Christians... I don't know if you know this. Maybe you, maybe you know someone who's a bit weird as a Christian. Christians can do some odd stuff sometimes in the name of God. We, we get this idea that something pops up into our head, pops into our life, and we think, oh, this is from God. I, I'm going to go do it. And we just run out and do some of the weirdest, strangest things. You know, and it's good that God loves us and he's got mercy and grace and he takes the, our weirdness and he does the right thing with it, with, you know, changing it in us. Uh, but it would be so much better probably for us if we didn't just jump, but instead we asked. You know, what is God calling you to do? You know, if God's really been to it, if God's really behind it, you're going to find evidence that that's something that God wants in his word, in the Bible. You're going to see it. Uh, coming from those that you trust, other people that were walking with Jesus, they're going to agree with you. You're going to spend some time in prayer. The spirit that brings you that power and the strength and the self-discipline and the love that we just talked about will confirm what it is that God's calling you to do before you go do something bizarre. All right, so this is what Peter has done. He, he has asked, he's waited, and Jesus has finally invited him, and so he is ready, and he goes out onto the water. I think for us, the lesson that we need to learn here is that we should not just jump overboard, right? Don't just jump overboard. Instead, wait for God to say yes. Okay, don't just jump. Wait for God to say yes, right? And then go. And then as soon as you get that confirmation, man, it's go time. You act on faith. You have courage and you go for it. All right? Don't just jump. Wait. Wait for God to confirm and then go for it. 
Let's look next at Matthew chapter 14, verse 29 to 31. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Look, the point here for me is that Jesus often, well, not often, Jesus always, right? He always uses the willing, not the perfect. Peter was willing, but he wasn't perfect. He wanted to do something. He wanted to to join Jesus. He wanted to step out in faith, and he did it, and he was doing it, and it was going great. But then, yeah, he made a mistake, right? Peter got scared. He looked at the waves. He, He freaked out a little bit. Why? Because he was walking on water. I mean, hello? I can't do that. You know, I don't know that you can do that. I mean, I don't know if you know this. Okay, look, but I had these huge feet, right, size 15s. I can actually water ski without skis. You know, and when we go snow skiing, I mean, people always say, like, what do you need those skis for? And I'm like, probably don't. But, you know, they're convenient and they, they're everywhere you look. You know, I, I get this, right? I should be able to walk on water. But you know what? I can't. And if, and if I were in Peter's shoes and I was actually out walking on water, yep, I think I would know this is crazy. What I'm doing is something that I, I don't have the ability to do, and this is totally because of what God is doing in me. And he got scared. And you know what? I probably would get scared. Look, I want you to think about what did Jesus do for Peter after Peter fell, right? After he failed and he began to sink. Did Jesus turn his back on Peter? Did he say, ah, oh, man, Peter, you disgust me. How could you, how could you ask to walk on water and then doubt and fail? You know, I'm done with you. You can just drown. Of course, of course, that's not what happened. You know what happened. As soon as Peter cries out, as soon as he calls on Jesus, as soon as he says, Jesus, save me, it says immediately Jesus was there lifting him out of the water, rescuing him from his trouble, rescuing him from his failure. And that, that's the heart of God. That's why this teaching matters. That's why we know about it. It's because we need to see very clearly. I, I'm convinced that some of you that are watching this today, you're, you've stuck it in there, man. You've made it all the way to this point in this message. And good on you. And that's because God has something for you today. He wants you to know. Or he wants you to know that, yeah, you're not perfect. Yeah, you, you know what? You, in the past, you've tried and you've failed. You've fallen flat. You've, you've given it a go and you blew it. Maybe people shamed you. Maybe people turned their backs on you. Maybe they left you to drown. But Jesus never left you. And right now, the Lord is calling to you and he wants you back into a place of service. He's trying to lift you back up out of your place of failure and shame and feeling dejected and useless. And he wants you back into his service. He wants you to get back in the boat. He wants you to be back on the team. Come on, get back on board. That's what God is calling to you today. You see, God's got a plan for you. For you, not not just for me. God wants to use you in a way that he would never use me, can't use me. You can't bring me into your household. You can't bring me onto your street or into your work or into your school and expect the people that don't know me around you in life to listen to some preacher talk about Jesus. That's not what they want. 
what they want to see is you. They want to see somebody who is like you, who's, who struggles, who trips and falls, who, who goes flat, who sinks into the water just like they do. And they want to see that you are, you are the kind of person who still has faith and still has courage after you fail. They want to see how do you exercise grace. You talk about that you've been given grace by Jesus, but how do you give it to others? How are you living it? They want to see. Right? They want to see what does it look like for you to be a sinner who has been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. I don't know where you're at. Right? I don't know what God's got in store for you for this particular moment, but listen... If you, are, if you are being led by God right now to say yes to him, right, to call on his name by faith, to believe in him, to, to be the one who puts up your hand and says, Lord, save me. I'm drowning. I am struggling. I, I've, I can't do this anymore. And if you are ready to call out like Peter did, to call out to Jesus and say, Lord, help. Man, if you'll do that, if you'll do that with me in just a moment, well, I have this confidence, I have this knowledge, I have true confidence that Jesus is, is going to immediately be there and immediately provide everything that you need. He's going to give you his spirit of power and love and self-discipline. And he's going to call you into a place of service again. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. If you want, you pray with me. Okay, but let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of this teaching. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives today. Lord, we recognize that you are calling each one of us to have faith in Jesus Christ. You are calling us to be yours forever and for all of eternity. And so, Lord, like Peter, we lift up our hand and we say, Lord, save me. And God, we have confidence. We have faith. We believe that you are there with us right this second. And that you are turning our trouble into your glory. You are bringing our pain into your perfection, into your praise. Lord, we may not see it right this second, but God, as we look back, we will see how you have led us and how you have been with us and you have never left us. You are the Emmanuel. You are God with us. And Lord, we trust in you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, congratulations. You made it to the end of this message. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, don't keep it a secret. Share it with others. Uh, share it as a comment in this, in this video. Uh, send an email out to your, your leaders at church. Send a, uh, something out. Call on, the name of the, call on the people around you. Call your church and, and talk to them about what it is that you've just done. God bless you. I hope to see you soon. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love you to join us for one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information about our great Elevate Kids and Elevate Youth environments, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me, and also download our Elevate Church AU app.